And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of a Christmas comedy episode of Fibber, McGee, and Molly from 1945. Then it's a Christmas time drama on the 21st Precinct starring Everett Sloan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. And over there is Mike Costella. That's my team here on Hollywood 360. Well, last time, we began listening to a very funny episode of Fibber McGee and Molly, where he paints the Christmas tree white. Let's go back to December 18, 1945, for the conclusion now of Fibber McGee and Molly. She didn't say he was gripping the butler with his teeth, dearie. Huh? You know, after all, a dog as smart as that could hold him down with one hind paw, dial the police station with the other, and use his front feet to take fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but how should... Oh, well, why should I worry? Ah, ah, that's better yet. You're getting that's more better. paint on yourself than you are on the tree, McGee. Well, the wind keeps changing. They ought to make these paint sprays with a weather vane on them. Why, right, George, if, if, if... Oh, dear. In the time you've taken to get this tree a dirty gray pet, I could have whitewashed the Kaibab National Forest with a flip gun. Well, doggone it, I don't see... Hello, folks. What's going on here? Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. Pull up a front step and give yourself a three-point landing. (laughs) If you want your Christmas tree painted white, Mr. Wilcox, trot home and get it. Yeah, I won't be out here very long, Junior, as soon as I adjust the nozzle on this paint Hey, wait a minute, Mac. Do you mean to stand there like a front man for painter's colic? And tell me you're actually going to ruin that pretty little tree with white paint? Ruining that refugee from the forest primeval? Despoiling a magnificent evergreen? Ah, uh, skip the dramatics, Junior. <coughs> we know you memorized Evangeline in high school. And you played the heavy in the Chautauqua Company of Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, too, didn't you, Mr. Wilcox? The juvenile lead, if you please. I also had three seasons of Shakespeare. A likely story. When you play Shakespeare, son, that's when Othello needs a friend. Oh. Everyone in Omaha, I'll have you know, said I was another Barrymore. Hmm. Why, when I came out in my tights and said, Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. You can say that again. <laughs> Hush, McGee, I love Shakespeare. Go on, Mr. Wilcox. Is it not monstrous that this player here, seeing a lady forced to menial task and seeing such drudgery, would not then dispense a thing called Johnson's glow coat? (laughs) Forsooth, a goodly fluid, which spread upon the scullery linoleum would thus eliminate the scrub. No rub, no (laughs) bath. 
Just pour it on, and in one-third the time it takes for our glass to turn, it dries. <laughs> if Shakespeare ain't in the public domain, this two-bit Orson Welles is going to be sued for nine million bucks. <laughs> ah, yes, it dries. And so mirror-like it gleams. The porridge spilled, wiped off, leaves not a single spot. <laughs> the labor saved, the hours gained, the beauty seen. Tis glow-coat. <laughs> Beloved by Chatelaine and serving when you like. Your nearest dealer. Hey, will... hey, now wait a minute, Mr. Wilcox. Is that in Hamlet? My dear girl, it's in every Hamlet, every village, every oh. town, city, and metropolis. <laughs> Every place where a housewife takes pride in the appearance of her kitchen. And if I don't get back to the office in the next ten minutes, I'll find myself back in Chautauqua. <laughs> so long, kids. That goes the biggest ham I've seen since Blue Boy went to the state fair. <laughs> he better be careful or he'll wind up on a platter with an apple in his mouth. Ah, but this ain't getting my tree sprayed. Well, hurry up. You almost got it done now. Yeah. Let's see, I get it all loosened up good. Ah, there she goes. Ah, this is the best it's been yet. Yes. Look how high the tree is getting, Molly. There's one question I'd like to ask you, McGee. Are you sure? Don't bother me now, kiddo. I'm doing too good. Hot dog. Ain't that getting beautiful? I finally got this spray gun working perfect. I know, but look, McGee, I've been wanting to ask you if... Later, Tootsie, later. I'm just about finished now. Just up there a little bit. Ah, oh, gee, I'm through. (laughs) All done. And believe me, that's the whitest white Christmas tree you'll ever see. Now, won't you admit this is a mighty pretty effect, baby? Yes, if you like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go and make some hot coffee, dearie. Okay. McGee? Huh? Whose Christmas tree is this on the front porch? Oh, that's the one I bought this morning that I'm going to paint white. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my gosh, what tree did I paint? The one that's been growing there in the yard all these years. <laughs> Of all that dead, if I ain't the dumbest bloke that ever drew breath, a wise guy, a know-it-all, can't tell one tree from another, one that's growing and one that ain't, I'm a septic, I'm a brainless, incompetent, ham-handed butterfingers, if I wasn't so stupid, I'd never let me sit here and insult myself like this, <laughs> dead rat that oh, hi, mister, what's the matter? I know that voice. Is that you, Teeny? Sure is, I betcha. Mm. What you sitting there with your head in your hands for, mister? Got a headache? Want me to get you an aspirin, hmm? Want me to, hmm? No, no, thanks. Yes. Medicine won't touch the kind of headache I got. I just busted my ego in four places. Gee, I'm sorry, mister. Yeah. Oh, boy. Who did that? Huh? Who did what? Who painted that tree white? <laughs> Gee, is that ever beautiful? Yeah, but that ain't the one. And it's I th- growing right there in your yard. Yeah, you see, I got a little confused. And oh, I Mr. I... McGee, you're wonderful. Huh? I am. You're the nicest man in town, I bet you. Hmm? You put your Christmas tree right out in the front yard where everybody can share it with you, didn't you? Well, I didn't exactly. Gee, all the kids in the neighborhood are gonna love you for this, Mister. Why, I can hardly wait till you get it all lighted up. <laughs> you can't, eh? Hmm? I says you can't, eh? Can't what? You can't wait till I get it all lighted up. Gee, neither can I. <laughs> and you know what, mister? What? When it's, when it's growing in the ground like that, it can't wobble and fall over either. 
Our Christmas tree at home is always wobbly. Yeah, lots of people make that mistake, sis. They don't stop to think if they were a tree and got all lit up and then came into a warm room, they'd wobble a little bit. Skip it. So you think it looks all right out here in the front yard? Oh, boy. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Now all the little children that haven't got Christmas trees can come and see yours, can't they? Yeah, I, uh, I kind of plan to get a lot of little bags of candy and stuff and let the kids help themselves Christmas Eve, sis. <laughs> I just planned that. <laughs> Think they'd like that? Gee, will they ever, and us kids will sing. Sing what? You know, the song we sing for you every Christmas time. It was the night before Christmas, the one we just recorded. Oh. Would you like to hear it now, Mr. Hmm, would you, hmm? Yes. Yes, I believe I would, sir. Okay. Hey, Kenny, Johnny, Buddy, Randy, come here. He wants to hear it, all right. A wonderful bunch of kids going around the neighborhood with a 30-piece orchestra. Christmas and all through the house Not a creature was stirring Not even a mouse The stockings were hung by the chimney with care In hope that St. Nicholas soon would be there The children were nestled all warm in their Danced in their wee little heads. Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's Fibber McGee and Molly from December 18, 1945. Jim and Marion Jordan starring along with Arthur Q. Bryant, Shirley Mitchell, and B. Benaderet. That was sponsored by Johnson's Wax with Harlow Wilcox doing the announcing as heard on NBC. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's the 21st Precinct. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality 
and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. And if you want to hear our podcast of this show, just go to Hollywood360radio.com. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And you will hear our podcast there. You'll also find thousands of pictures of Lisa Wolf, just one or two maybe of Mike Costello and me. Uh, Lisa's a little bit uh, of a picture of aficionado, right? Oh, that Lisa? was a nice word. Nice word, yeah. But it's not, part of her but contract. not true. Yeah, it's part of her contract, right, Mike? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> At least I got one picture up there. Yeah, there is one of you. Hey, what is that in your hands there, Lisa? Oh, I got my new Remind magazine today, oh, and I was sort of flipping through it here. That's the Christmas here. issue, right? It is. It's got Burt Reynolds on the cover, and it's. It says stars we loved and lost in 2018. So oh, there's wow. a whole yeah. farewell issue sure, here. Sure, sure. Um, but on the brighter side, there's uh, a lot of great articles in here. There's puzzles and comics and trivia. Um, and we've got, of course, our schedule is in yep, here for Hollywood, Hollywood 360. 360 schedule. goes all the way through the end of the year. And, of course, mm-hmm. we have Radio 360, which is the article that you write in every Remind magazine. And yeah. it's surprisingly good. Really? Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. I wrote about Miracle on 34th Street. You sure did. And in fact, we give all of the Remind listeners a uh, free digital download of the Miracle on 34th Street starring Edmund Gwen and Natalie Wood. So you can check that out in this issue of Remind Magazine. You can get it at any Walmart store or any Barnes & Noble store. But the best way to get Remind Magazine is by going to their website, which is remindmagazine.com. That's remindmagazine.com. You'll save about 60% off the newsstand price when you go to their website. They're our main sponsor here on Hollywood 360. Please support them. And uh, we love them. Remind is a There's terrific magazine. There's so much to do in here. Hours and hours of fun. I, I really think that if you got it, you would love it. So check it out. Yeah, check out remindmagazine.com. Okay, it's time now for the 21st Precinct. This was a police procedural show. came to radio in 1953, lasted until 1956, and it starred Everett Sloan as Precinct Captain Frank Kennelly. It was adapted from True Criminal Records in New York from the policeman's point of view. Others to play Captain Frank Kennelly included James Gregory and Les Tremaine. Others in the cast included... Ken Lynch as Lieutenant Matt King, Harold Stone as Sergeant Waters, and Santos Ortega as Lieutenant Gorman. It was produced by John Ives and written and directed by Stanley Niss. We have a Christmas episode for you now called The Giver. This stars Everett Sloan. It's from December 22nd, 1954. Here's part one of the 21st Precinct. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Now, where is this? Yeah. Yeah. How many people are hurt? How many? Were there two cars involved or a pedestrian? 
Yeah? You are in the muster room at the 21st Precinct, the nerve center. A call is coming through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st Precinct. All right. The officers will be right there. Yeah, and the ambulance, too. Just stay there. Okay. Twenty-first Precinct, transcribed. It's just lines on a map of the city of New York. Most of the 173,000 people wedged into the nine-tenths of a square mile between Fifth Avenue and the East River wouldn't know if you asked them that they lived or worked in the 21st. Whether they know it or not, the security of their homes, their persons, and their property is the job of the men of the 21st Precinct. The 21st, 160 patrolmen, 11 sergeants, and 4 lieutenants of whom I'm the boss. My name is Kennelly, Frank Kennelly. I'm captain in command of the 21st. I was working my day tour, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. As soon as I turned out the platoon and the men who would patrol the precinct for the next eight hours marched out the front door, patrolman Bailey, the station house attendant, and patrolman Winkler, the precinct youth patrolman, appeared with three large corrugated cartons to begin decorating the muster room for the Christmas party which would be held for neighborhood children in the station house the following afternoon. I went into my office to read and sign reports which would be taken to the 6th Division by the precinct messenger. When I finished the job at 9.15 a.m. and came back out into the muster room, Winkler and Bailey already had the tree up and were beginning to decorate it. I walked around behind the desk where Lieutenant Gorman was desk officer and Sergeant Waters was on telephone switchboard duty. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Captain. Hello, Sergeant. Well, what was he doing? What's going on, Red? Pretty quiet, Captain. All right. Winkler. Yes, sir. Yeah, Isn't that tree smaller than the one we had last year? No, sir. It's about the same size. You know, I think the one we had last year was a little fatter, Red. Yes, sir. I guess that's it. Oh. Uh, Lieutenant. Yeah? Vaquero's got a lost child over there. He's bringing him into the station house. Well, doesn't the kid know where he lives? Vaquero says he's only about three years old. He's been looking around for about 20 minutes in the stores over there. The kid says he was with his mother shopping. All right. Uh, where are you going to put the tables, Winkler? What did you say, Captain? Where are you going to put the tables? Right here along this wall. Refreshments there and the presents here. I think that'll be all right. Yes, sir. Red, uh, have you got a car to take me on patrol? Yes, sir. Uh, Sergeant, have number three come by the house to take the captain on patrol. Okay, Lieutenant. All right. I went down and got the summons. Now, what are you going to do about it? Do about what, Red? You know very well about what. I told you about what. Did you? I was here yesterday and I told you all about it. You told me there wasn't anything the police could do and that I would have to go down to the magistrate's court and get a summons. That's what you told me. I didn't tell you anything, lady. I didn't even talk to you. Oh, yes, you did. And I did just what you said. I went down to the court and I got a summons out for it. Lady, I wasn't even here yesterday. I was off. Was he? Yes, he was off. He wasn't here. Well, you were sitting right where you're sitting now. We've got four lieutenants in this job. Well, he looks just like you, except that I don't think he has red hair. He doesn't. I suppose I'll have to go through the whole story again, then. Who's paying for that Christmas tree? Not the taxpayers, I hope. No, ma'am. The men pay for it themselves. Oh, well, that's good. Suppose you tell me what the trouble is. Well, as I told him yesterday, I had a perfectly legitimate complaint. This old man who lives across the hall from me is conducting a business in the building. People come in there all day and all night long disturbing my peace. 
trooping up and down the stairs with packages. You think it was a store on Fifth Avenue instead of an apartment. Well, that's not a police case, lady. So I was told yesterday. And did you complain to the super of the building? Oh, you can't get very far with him. All he told me was, why don't I leave the old man alone? He's not hurting anyone. So I said, he's disturbing my peace. Well, he wouldn't do a thing about it. Not a thing about it. Then I came over here yesterday, and the man without the red hair who was sitting right there told me if I wanted to make a complaint against him, I would have to go down to the magistrate's court and get out a summons, and that's exactly what I did. Here it is. Uh, Winkler. Yes, sir? You've got too many blowings together in a bunch there. Wait, Lieutenant. Well. Right there. Oh, yeah. I'll fix it. I bet you haven't been paying a bit of attention to one word that I've said. I sure have, lady. I heard every word. Well, I wish you'd look at me when you listen. You, uh, you said you got a summons out for him. That's right. And when I got it, I told them clerks down there at the court that it's a shame I couldn't just get a policeman to go up and arrest him. That it has to be up to a woman like me to act on her own initiative. So he told me what my rights are. He told me I should go to the station house and talk to the desk lieutenant and that the desk lieutenant would have to send a policeman to serve the summons. No, he didn't tell you that. Oh, yes, he did. I know what he told me. He told you that if you were afraid you might be harmed physically, that a police officer would be sent along to stand by while you serve the summons. You're the one who has to serve it. Well, what's the difference? <laughs> There's a lot of difference. Are you going to send someone over there with me or not? May I see the summons, please? Of course. Thank you. His name is Ernst Wolfschmidt? That's right. And your name is Myra Beaven. I spell it B-E-A-V-A-N, but I pronounce it Bevin. Your address is 761 East 77th Street. I live on the third floor, and he lives right across the hall. And if I don't get some satisfaction out of this, I'm just going to withhold paying my rent. That's all there is to it. This is making me a nervous wreck. Uh, do you know whether he's home now? Well, I don't know for sure. I haven't been there myself. Is it uh, Mrs. Bevan? Yes, Mrs. Bevan. I'm a widow. What's this man selling out of his apartment, do you know? He's selling everything imaginable. For instance? Well, I saw some portable typewriters in there, and radios and fountain pens, toasters, electric clocks, watches, fitted cases, everything like that. You were in and looked at it? Oh, I should say not. He had his door open last night, and I saw into his place. The merchandise is up to the ceiling, and people keep parading up the stairs all day and all night and keep going out with packages. All brand new merchandise? Well, it looks new to me. And did you tell the other lieutenant that when you were in here yesterday? No. How could I tell him if I didn't get a good look inside his place until last night? Did Mr. Wolfschmidt ever offer to sell you anything? I don't even talk to him. How old is he? Oh, in his 70s, I'd say. Early 70s. Does he work? Not that you could notice. He doesn't. How long has this been going on, Mrs. Bevan? His selling to people, you mean? Yes. Would you mind telling me who you are, please? I came in here to talk to this lieutenant. I'm Captain Kennelly, the commanding officer of the precinct. Oh, thank you. How long has it been going on? About four or five days now. And you never noticed it before, his doing business from the apartment, I mean. No. Winkler. Yes, sir. I never uh, noticed. You'd better hold that ladder for him. It looks a little shaky. Okay. Uh, do you have any idea where this merchandise came from? No, not unless he stole it. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I wouldn't put it past him. Supposed to be such a lovable old man. I bet you he's a thief. <laughs> I'll bet you that. Well, that's a conclusion you can't jump to hastily. But uh, I wish you'd do us a favor, Mrs. Bell. Oh, what is that? I'd like you to tell the detectives about this. About Wolfschmidt? Yes. I would be delighted. Yeah. Will you see that Mrs. Bevan gets upstairs, Red? Yes, sir. Captain, the car's here. All right. 
I'm going out on patrol, Ren. Oh, Captain, before you go. Yes, Miss Bevan. If I don't see you again, I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thanks, Miss Bevan. <laughs> and the same to you. That's the first portion of the 21st Precinct. More after these words. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to the 21st Precinct. I went into my office for my overcoat, then out through the front door and down to the curb where patrolman William Coley was sitting behind the wheel of sector car number three. I got in and instructed him to patrol toward the northern boundary of the precinct where I made two stops on precinct business, both at garages in connection with applications for renewal of their tow car licenses. Procedure in these cases requires the precinct commander to personally interview the applicant. After these calls were completed, I instructed Patrolman Coley to make a tour of the retail areas in the precinct so that I could observe the traffic conditions which were aggravated by the holiday crowds. At ten minutes after eleven, a call came over the air for us to ring into the station house. I instructed Patrolman Coley to stop at the closest call box. All right, you stay here, Coley. I'll ring in. Twenty-first precinct, Sergeant Waters. Captain Kennelly, box nineteen. Uh, Lieutenant Gorman wants to talk to you, Captain. Okay. And a Mister O'Ban from the Corporation Counsel's office called. He said he'd be here around 4.30. Oh, yes. Uh, there was a woman fell down the steps at the 67th Street station of the 3rd Avenue Ale on November 10th. She's starting a personal injury suit against the city. Get out the aided card on the case on the UF-18 and leave him on my desk. Yes, sir. All right. Let me have Lieutenant Gorman. Yes, sir. A lieutenant. Captain Kennelly's ringing in. Hold on, Captain. All right. 21st Precinct, Lieutenant Gorman. Yes, Red. Captain Kennelly. I uh, sent that Mrs. Bevan upstairs to the detectives, Captain. Yeah? Lieutenant King listened to what you had to say. Was he interested enough to go over to the building? Well, at first he sent Novak and Scanlon over there to have the super let them in for a look around. Then about a half hour later, he went over himself. He just rang in here and asked me to get in touch with you. Well, what did he find, Red? Just like this Mrs. Bevan said, Captain... Place is loaded to the ceiling with all kinds of expensive goods. Typewriters, watches, radios, fountain pens, everything. Brand new. Matt thought you might like to take a ride over there. And what's that address again? 761 East 77th Street, Captain. Third floor. Did uh, Lieutenant King say the stuff might have been stolen? He says that's what it looks like, Captain. Well, have they got any idea who the old man has been selling the stuff to? Well, that's what makes the whole thing so funny, Captain. What do you mean, Funny. From what they can make out so far, the old man hasn't been selling it. He's been playing Santa Claus. I returned to the car after completing my call to the station house and instructed the operator, Patrolman Coley, to drive to 761 East 77th Street, the address of Ernst Wolfschmidt and the woman whose complaint started the investigation. 
As we pulled into the block, I saw the detective squad car parked in front of the building, which was an old but clean five-story tenement. After Patrolman Coley parked, I told him to wait in the car, and I walked into the building and up the stairs to the third floor. The doors to the two apartments were open. In the first one, I saw Lieutenant Matt King, commander of the 21st Detective Squad, talking to another man. Well, how long has he lived here? Oh, let me see. Hello, uh, Captain. Matt, I come here in 1948 to work in the building. That is, he was a tenant then. Captain Kennelly, Mr. Joe Linwick, the super of the building. Mr. Linwick? Oh, I'm glad to know you. Uh, how do you like this, huh? All we got to do is put out a catalog and we're in business around here, huh? Yeah, we sure would be. There's three portable typewriters, Captain. Yeah? I count 11 portable radios and clock radios, different makes. Oh. Half a dozen toasters, three waffle irons, seven electric clocks... Must be five dozen pen and pencil sets, about a dozen Swiss watches, two kitchen mixers. That's only in this room. You should see in there. Do you know where he is, man? No, sir, not yet. Well, he'll come back. He's never failed to come back. Oh, uh, my car is parked downstairs, Matt. We better get it out of there. Yes, sir. Uh, Scanlon's with Mrs. Bevan. He'll take care of it. Good. Scanlon. Coley's the operator. Coley's downstairs waiting in Captain Kennelly's car. Go down and tell him to pull around the block. Okay, Lieutenant. Well, this looks like stolen goods for sure, huh? Well, I can't make it for anything else, Captain. I don't know what got into the poor old guy. He's the nicest fellow you ever met. Don't bother nobody. Minds his own business. I understand he doesn't work. No, he don't. He told me he's on a pension. He was 25 or 30 years with some company downtown... Pension must not be much, though, because every once in a while he runs short. He comes to me, borrows dollar, two dollars, until his check comes, he said. I give it to him. He never fails to pay it back. Never fails. Have you any idea how he got this stuff? Well, I, uh, I got a sneaking suspicion. What's that, Joe? Oh, it was one afternoon last week. Well, I wasn't around here. I got another job I worked part-time at, you know. My wife told me there was a man knocked at the door and said he had some cartons to be delivered to Ernst Wolf Schmidt, and there wasn't any answer from the bell. Well, she said, all right, she'd let him in. She got the pass key. She went upstairs and opened the door. The first thing you know, she told me two guys come up the stairs are carrying a big box each. They set them down in the middle right here, and she started to lock the door. They said, no, wait a minute, there's more. So they make two more trips upstairs. Six cartons altogether, my wife said. They put them inside, she locked up, and that was that. Mm. Did she see the truck they came off of? Well, not that I know of. Did she sign a receipt for them? Well, she never mentioned it. Uh, where is your wife now? Where do you think? Christmas shopping. What time do you expect her home? When they chase her off 34th Street, she'll come home. She's the kind of woman, when she gets inside a department store, she loses all sense of time, direction. You know what I mean? Well, we'll talk to her when she gets home. Did uh, Wolf Schmidt say anything to you about the stuff that was delivered? No. No, he didn't say a word, except like I told you. Oh, he, he gave me a radio, just like this one here, only in black. Didn't you think that was kind of peculiar? Well, I didn't think it was peculiar, but I, I told him he didn't have to do it. He said he wanted to. He said me and my wife had been very nice to him, very nice to him when we didn't have to be. Of course, I didn't know about all this, this stuff at the time. I, I didn't see it yet. I figured maybe he, he hit a horse or something like that. Didn't you think there was something peculiar about all the people coming up to his apartment? Well, to tell you the truth, no. I mean, if a guy goes into business, he goes into business. 
what's peculiar about selling something out of your flat? What I thought was peculiar was when I found out he wasn't selling it. He was giving it away. When did you find that out? Well, to be honest with you, not until last night. The kid that works in the delicatessen down the block told me. It was going on right under my nose, and the kid that works in the delicatessen has to tell me he'd been giving it away. <laughs> he gave this kid a $25 electric razor. How do you like that? Who else did he give the stuff to? From what I understand, he was stopping people on the street right and left. Strangers. Telling them to come on up to the place. He had a Christmas present for them. Well, some of the people came, and some thought he was a little a little mixed up in the head, which I guess isn't too far from the truth. I don't know. But I, I can't figure it out. What is, what is he doing with all this stuff? Where did it come from? When you find out, will you let me know? Yes, Joe. When we find out. I understand Mrs. Bevan complained to you about the people coming up here. Ah, that. Well, she complained about anything. She complains about no heat, too much heat. No hot water, water's too hot. Well, she even complained once about the full moon shining in her window. Like I could turn off the moon, you know? Do you think I'm going to have to give my radio back? Well, if it's stolen, you will. I don't know. That's what I get for dreaming. I was picturing myself sitting on the stoop next summer on a hot night, you know. Can of beer, that radio, listen to ball game. Captain, <laughs> officer. Speak of the devil. Yes, Miss Bevan? He's coming. I saw him coming. Yes? I was looking out my window and I saw him coming down the block. That thief, that criminal. You're sure it was him? Of course I'm sure it was him. You get back inside your apartment and close the door. We'll handle it. I'm entitled to stay here, don't you think? No, I don't. I'm entitled to serve my summons? You do that later after we get this straightened out. I'd suggest you get in your own flat. If that's the way you feel about it, all right. But you don't seem to remember who started this. Hey. See what I mean, Captain? Yeah, I see. Uh, you want me to get out of here, too? I, I just as soon. I, I kind of like the old guy. No, I think you better stay, Joe. All right. You go out in the hall and take a look. See if he's coming up the stairs. Okay. Come right back in. As soon as I see him? Yeah. Well, I guess you'll get your answer soon, man. Yes, sir. I guess I will. <laughs> sure got hold of a lot of merchandise. Yeah, he didn't buy it. That's a cinch. He's coming up, Lieutenant. All right. Let's shut the door. Did he see you, Joe? No, I don't think so. Poor guy. I, I hate to see him in a mess. All right. Quiet. Here he is. Come in, Mr. Wolfschmidt. Oh. What's the matter? Hello, Mr. Wolfschmidt. Joe, what's the matter? Why the police? It wasn't my idea, Mr. Wolfschmidt. This is Captain Kennelly. I'm Lieutenant King. Wh whose idea? Hers, across the hall? Yeah. She said she would make me trouble. Mr. Wolfschmidt, where did all this stuff come from? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. What do you mean, you don't know? I came home one night. It was here. You don't know where it came from? No. Well, don't you have any idea? It was delivered. From where? I don't know. Now, look, you just don't get three or $4,000 worth of merchandise just like that. I did. Brand new stuff. It's nice, isn't it? It's all very nice. Where did you think it came from? I don't know. Don't you care? It was here. It had my name on the boxes. It had my address. Did you order it from anywhere? Where would I order it from? Look, could we sit down and talk? I've been outside since nine o'clock. My feet hurt me. You sit down. 
There are plenty of more chairs. Take the fountain pens off the chair there. Would you like a fountain pen? Put one in your pocket with a Merry Christmas. Uh, now, look, Mr. Wolfschmidt. Joe, maybe we all have some coffee, huh? Go in the kitchen, put the water down for the coffee, huh? I, uh, I, I don't think I'd care for any, Mr. Wolfman. The captain would like some? And the lieutenant? No, no, we don't care for any, thank you. So there's no use having coffee alone. I'd like you to tell us how you got all this merchandise, Mr. Wolfman. It came, that's all. Did you steal it? Me? Did you? No. Did some friends of yours steal it? My friends don't steal. If my friends stole, they wouldn't be my friends anymore. Well, where did it come from? It was here. I found it here. Well, did you care where it came from? It came to me. My name was on the boxes. Well, who do you think sent it to you? I don't know. You have any idea? I thought who might send it to me. I thought and I thought. I, I couldn't think of anybody. Then how do you think it got here? In the cartons. Didn't you think it was a good idea to make some inquiries about it? But my name was on the boxes, my name and my address. And you did nothing about it? Oh, sure, I did something about it. I, I did a very lot about it. What did you do? Well, I had no idea what was in the boxes. I opened them up and I saw all the beautiful things, things that people want and need and love to have. So I did something about it. What? Well... Whoever sent it knew that I couldn't use five typewriters. I couldn't listen to 11 radios. I couldn't write with all those pens. So I thought I was the one who was chosen to make people happy for Christmas. To give them away to good people who wanted them and needed them to use. Well, who do you think chose you to do this? Well, it could have been some good person who chose me, but then I... I don't know anyone who would have that money to spend. So I thought... What did you think? Oh, it would sound silly saying it to you. But thinking of it, it doesn't sound so silly. I thought maybe God sent them. Oh. To make people happy with. I see. There are so many people that can be made happy and need to be made happy. When all this arrived, I, I thought that was what for. I went out and found people who needed it and could use it. And deserved it. I didn't care about any of it for myself, really. Listen, I... I think I, I could use some coffee. I'll, I'll go put it up. C can you find everything, Joe? Yeah, sure. It wasn't right to give it away? We'll get it all straightened out. I'm sorry if I did something wrong. Well, at least your heart was in the right place. In another few minutes, I left the apartment and resumed patrol. I instructed Patrolman Coley to make another tour of the shopping districts in the precinct to check the patrol conditions. We were headed for the station house when a call came over the radio concerning an automobile accident, ambulance responding on the East River Drive. We made the run. A car had overturned, attempting to avoid a collision, and the driver had been injured. I remained at the scene until the victim had been taken to the hospital and traffic restored to normal. It was nearly one o'clock when the car pulled up in front of the station house. I got out, crossed the sidewalk, and walked up the worn stone steps into the muster room. I headed around behind the desk to sign the blotter. Twenty-first precinct, Sergeant Waters. Captain. Hello, Sergeant. Okay, seventeen. 
Well, they did a good job decorating in here, Ren. Yes, sir, they sure did. What's doing? Nothing much, Captain. Except that Matt King came in with that old man. Oh, yeah? Did he uh, find out where that merchandise came from? Uh, Not that I've heard of, Captain. All right, I'll be in my office. Yes, sir. I left some messages on your desk, Captain. Okay. Would you tell Fallon I want to see him, Sergeant? He's taking his meal, Captain. Is there anything I can do? Just tell Fallon to see me when he gets back in the house. Yes, sir. I'll be in my office. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Yes, sir. Captain. Yes? Lieutenant King is ringing down for you. All right, put it on my line. I'll take it in there. Yes, sir. 21st Precinct, Captain Kennelly. Lieutenant King, Captain. Yes, Matt. We've got that old man, Mr. Wolfschmidt, up here in the detective squad. Yes, I know. I found out where that stuff came from. Where? Well, Scanlon had a brainstorm. Yeah? He got out the Manhattan telephone directory and looked up Wolfschmidt. There happens to be a discount store at 761 West 77th Street run by an Ernest Wolfschmidt, E-R-N-E-S-T. Our friend is Ernst, E-R-N-S-T. The same number on the west side. Yes, sir, that's right. I called over there. The Wolfschmidt who owns the store told me he bought a bankrupt stock in Jersey last week in order to chip in by truck. So this merchandise, all right. He was wondering what happened to it. As a matter of fact, he'd already called the trucking company. And they addressed the shipment East 77th instead of West 77th. Yes, sir. That's what it looks like. And the similarity of names clinched the deal. How about our Mr. Wolfschmidt? Well, he's a little bit bewildered. I told him we'd get the whole thing straightened out all right. But he's worried about putting everybody to so much trouble. He really enjoyed playing Santa Claus. Too bad that stuff didn't come from where he thought it did. Twenty-first precinct, Sergeant Waters. Yeah. Well, what's the address? Two o five. Two o nine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was anybody hurt? They have a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Which way? Was he on foot? What kind of car? And so it goes. Around the clock, through the week, every day, every year. A police precinct in the city of New York is a flesh and blood merry-go-round. Anyone can catch the brass ring. Or the brass ring can catch anyone. 21st Precinct transcribed a factual account of the way the police work in the world's largest city is presented with the official cooperation of the Patrolman's Benevolent Association, an organization of more than 20,000 members of the Police Department, City of New York. Everett Sloan in the role of Captain Kennelly, Ken Lynch as Lieutenant King, Harold Stone as Sergeant Waters. Featured in tonight's cast were Santos Ortega, Bill Zuckert, Abby Lewis, and Bill Smith. Written and directed by Stanley Niss. Produced for CBS Radio by John Ives. Bob Pfeiffer speaking. 21st Precinct has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. 
And that's the 21st Precinct from December 22nd, 1954 with The Giver, starring Everett Sloan along with Ken Lynch, Harold Stone, and Santos Ortega as heard on CBS. Stick around. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Do you love classic radio shows? The Jack Benny Program. X-1. Suspense. Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, next time, it's a Christmas episode of Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy. Then, Bing Crosby welcomes his special guest, Ella Fitzgerald. That's on the Bing Crosby Christmas Show. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.